Welcome back to another edition of Sports Tech Atlanta Seed Talk. I'm your host, Sterling Mack. Joined other, on the other end by Taylor Mack. Uh, we've been out for a while. We um, took a little time off. It was good to refresh, kind of get together. We had a little family time, which is always good since we live on opposite coasts. So, Taylor's good to, I haven't seen, I've seen you in person, but I haven't seen you on here in a while. It's good to see you, man. How you doing? I'm good. It's a, it's a change up from what we normally have of the virtual when we were face to face again. And so glad to be back on the pod. Yeah, man, it's a great time. It's, it's coming to that time of year where, you know, when Labor Day hits your calendar, what it means. And that means it's football season, your weekends, your Saturdays and Sundays. If you're at a wedding, you're checking your phone every other second, checking scores, checking lines. Um, it's an exciting time. It's all. It's one of the. I think kind of the best. The fall is the best time, even though I'm on the West Coast now, and there's no changing of the f- leaves and everything. You now you got the pumpkin spice uh, lattes now hidden it at Starbucks. Everybody's kind of bundling up. It's hoodie season, so it's a great time. So I mean, uh, I'm gonna give you a big shout to, out. You have to get used to 10 a.m. games, so that's just gonna be your biggest adjustment. It's not you. I don't. I think it's amazing because I just love waking up. I honestly wake up at that time on the weekends. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna just, front. Just, just make sure your rosters are set in fantasy because there are no excuses out here. But continue, continue. Yeah, yeah. I struggled with fantasy last year. Um, no, I mean, I want to shout out super quickly. Uh, if you're in the Worcester area, if you're one of those that have started following us from the Boston Worcester uh, area, continue to uh, listen, rate, and uh, really give feedback out there to the unsupervised sports. Uh, show out of Worcester on WTY 97.9 FM. Uh, you know, incredibly proud of you, man. It's cool to see you guys got a, get an extra day of the week. You guys are doing some cool things. You did some stuff with the Worcester uh, Red Sox. Um, obviously, you're getting, getting some cool content out there. So shout out to you, man. It's it's um, really cool to see that. Gracias. We appreciate it. 97.9 FM, Tuesdays and Thursdays here out of the Worcester area. Extends close towards the Boston Metro as well. So what we want to do today, um, make this could be a little different than our typical kind of run of the mill stories and hitting the funding rounds, things like that. We're going to talk some tech that is really impacting the game of football. It's, it's always really cool when, you know, we, we always talk about this intersection of technology and sports and um, the technology that are really empowering and growing uh, the game of sports. So um, the first one we got here is Vistas football. We've highlighted Vistas before. It's really this amazing um, system for helmets, right? So they've created this new zero two platform and within their zero two platform, they have a helmet that's called the trench that's specifically designed for linemen obviously helmets and uh, player safety is at the forefront of what we talk about within the nfl uh really within football right trying to minimize injuries minimize the the impact of uh, of head trauma uh so it's really cool to see what they've tried to do to address uh, obviously linemen are the ones that have impact on every single play right so they've uh designed this helmet to focus on better protecting the frontal region uh, obviously, which is the area that that linemen have come in contact with the most. So, um, what do you think about this one, Taylor? Super cool. Obviously, you're a guy that's worn. I don't believe you wore the Vistas helmet, but you've worn helmets in the past. So, what do you think about this one? And obviously, maybe you can give a little context to what they're trying to do here. Yeah, no. So, what uh, this helmet does it it adds extra cushion in a nutshell to the front portion of the helmet for 
linemen or or players who think that um I mean, helmet to helmet contact is inevitable when, when it comes to the sport. So players who are going to be really in the forefront um, of of head to head collisions, you know, sadly to say a little bit, but you're trying to make it as safe as possible. So you're adding that extra cushion into the frontal lobe area area of a helmet uh, and all of this to ensure that the game is just a little bit safer for those players who have those constant collisions you know, day in, day out from practice and then all the way leading up into a game. So uh, lineman Justin Britt from the Seahawks was quoted um, as he is a part of the project. You know, when you're on the line, every snap is a battle. Lineman are the only players getting hit each and every play. So it never made much sense why we'd wear a helmet that wasn't designed specifically for the trenches. Um, he's worn a Vissus helmet since 2017 to protect himself while he protects the quarterback and he can't Wait to wear, wear the zero two trench next season. So uh, all this is is just adding greater protection for the players out there because, uh, like I said, un- unfortunately, it's in- inevitable for helmet to helmet contact to happen. Even though it's not one of those, I'm running from ten yards away at you. This is close hand to hand combat. You know, a foot away as you see linemen and D linemen, O linemen, D linemen lining up against each other in the trenches and just banging. So. Uh, whatever you can do to make sure that or to minimize the effects of football, I was, you know, I'll say in or, or, or brain injuries post uh, football career. It's amazing. Yeah, it is. I'll highlight super quickly. I'm going to ask you a question. Um, the zero two, what they've been able to do is it's 15% lighter than its predecessor. Obviously the zero one uh, it has improved fit and comfort features and gives the player an enhanced field view. Uh, the helmet also maintains the innovative deformable uh, outer shell, which is designed to absorb impacts to the head, uh, which is pretty crazy. And then they've also been able to lower the price there for those that are in the amateur um, a- amateur football. So this one starts at $699, where the zero one out there was at $1,500. So just amazing job here by the Vistas team of creating something that's comfortable, creating something that's super safe, but also very affordable to those that are out there uh, kind of coming through the middle school and high school ranks. How mad do you think their marketing team was when they found out that they couldn't call it the O2 because of the GOAT, LeVar Ball, and his own <laughs> O2s? Uh, shout out to, I, it's crazy. We just, we just snuck in LeVar Ball in here. That's amazing. Um, lost. He Literally, I mean, they. I can see them wanting to call these the O2s after the zero. It just sounds better instead of saying zero two. Uh, and you can't call them the O2s because of Lonzo Ball's failed big baller brand shoe, which no one has in stock nor on their shelves. And I think it's hilarious. Shout out to Lonzo, though, man. Getting the bag, Chicago Bulls. They're going to be he fun did. this year. Shout they out just to the whole family. Yeah, yeah. Good for them. Let me ask you that. So, like, what – when you were playing, you had a visor on, not to take you through any trauma, you had an injury – your senior year um, after a, a failed kind of can I say that a failed sack attempt against Devin Gardner in the miss in the Michigan game. What, what was it like at the time, kind of the helmet technology that you had and what did you, um, yeah, I, I, I guess kind of looking back, what did you wish you kind of had from a technology perspective? Yeah. Yeah. Just to clear that one up though, not failed sack attempts failed uh, jar the ball loose as he's running into the end zone. So very, basically a very avoidable hit that I just met managed to go into because I'm like, if I hit him hard enough, he might fumble. Devin Garner is 215 pounds and I'm 170. Didn't work out the way it's supposed to go. But in my head, 
it was great. Um, what was the question again? <laughs> that was the only thing I thought about. <laughs> no, what, I mean, what, what extra protection would I need? Yeah, just understanding the technology, right, that they're using and, and, and everything I just kind of described about the fit and it being lighter. Obviously, the frontal lobe part, like like what were you, I, I don't want to like you don't need to call out the company that you you and Yukon were using at the time. But like what were you kind of missing and what were you wishing you had from a technology perspective when you? Yeah, played? no, it's a great question, but I think it's deeper than that. So basically what happened with me and usually what happens with most athletes, it's the straw that breaks the camel's back at that point, And it's not just that singular incident that leads to your your accident. So if it's an inner body type type deal, not something where you have a neck injury where, you know, you hit the wrong way or something or, or something that to that caliber or a broken leg. So mine was, you know, deep tissue. So that really goes back to, you know, playing days of when you're younger and what you can do from form and what you can have from protection there. So it'd be, it's one of those things where it's like, Oh, well, yeah, I'd have to roll back 15 years, 10 years, whatever to um, diagnose the issue that I had when I got into college. So that's really where the shortcomings come from. At this point in time, you're pretty much putting a Band-Aid over a reopening scar. And I hate to put it that way, but that just is what it is. Because if you already have that trauma to whatever area of your body, whether if that's your head or if you're, you're uh, you know, somewhere deep within your, your, your body, uh, you're not stopping it uh, from ever happening really you're slowing down the symptoms just a little bit and and the pain that you might be having um and it's giving you that added protection but if you could start with that when you're young then you wouldn't be in the position that you are then and you have that greater protection so that's really it's nothing that you yukon could have done or our uh manufacturer vendor could have provided at the time it's really something that you have to ingrain at the amateur levels, um, lower, lower levels, peewee, um, as you're starting out to really take advantage of that protection. Yeah, no, that's great feedback, man. And it's, um, no, it's, I mean, that's the biggest thing, right. Is, is getting form down and making sure that people are tackling smart from a young age. It's something that we have not, we didn't prioritize really until probably the last five, six, seven years here, making sure that the younger generation right. understands how to tackle. And I apologize for those, if you're listening, this is your first episode. I had a nerve injury in college. So uh, to those that have been listening throughout our broadcast and you, know, you need a refresher, that's what it was. Or you're like, oh, I knew exactly what it was. Uh, but it was a nerve injury that I had. And there's nothing that I could have done with a, a pad, any type of padding at that point, because I actually had some extra stuff, but it's just what your body is at that point. And that's sure. what a lot of players, and I, I think a lot of people don't understand that for NFL players, because at that point, they have the same thing that you're just playing through. So when yeah. you see a lot of these other injuries that come out that might look a little bit lighter and it's not a, a gruesome injury that you're like, oh, I understand that why you're out for eight weeks or fit, you know, or the, or the rest of the season. That's really where it's at. You have a built up, um, you know, whether if that I don't want to say scar tissue, but you have built up scarring from whatever aspect that your body's in and you continue to play through that. And then, like I said before, you have the straw that breaks the camel's back in, you know, a, a play. And then that's where somebody can can go out. So at that point in time, protection needs to come back to when you're in your younger ranks. Yeah, no, I appreciate that, man. That's a great deep dive there on, you know, tackling form. But also, kind of, you know, what you kind of went through as as a as a, as a smaller, say that as a smaller football player out there, right? Trying to, uh, it's okay. Know, trying to it make is, I was I was five nine one seventy. It's not the biggest, 
Not the smallest. Right. Right there. Right there. Um, let me ask you that real quick before we go to the next story. UConn is a 27 and a half point dog. Money line, money line, baby, money line. That feels like a really, really like I'm trapping guy. people. Are you, are you going money line? Uh, Sterling, I don't gamble except when I'm in the casino and I'm at the craps table, which would be a lot of fun tomorrow night. That's actually an idea. Uh Oh, uh no i don't um i don't really gamble on the on the sports books but i do peep into the lines because that's what we speak on the radio show i would say take the money line because this team hasn't played in two years and everybody's going off of the last results of 2019 it's a different team a lot of catch up when it comes to this is what i believe just from what i've I've seen from reports uh that, that the team is really caught up from a physical standpoint and uh, it was kind of what you needed. So disrespectful line. I think it's what plus 20, 27 and a half minus 27 and a half for Fresno. What's Indiana? What's Indiana looking like? I don't want to talk about UConn. That's just, just the disrespect is crazy. What's our line? Indiana plays. Indiana doesn't play this. This is technically called week zero, which doesn't make sense. Week one technically starts on Thursday of next week, but Indiana is a four and a half point dog to Iowa. They at Iowa. Really? They didn't give believe- they didn't give Iowa double digits in Kinnick Stadium. That's that's why appalling. would that happen? We're right. We're ranked 17. I don't care. Isn't Indiana's it- ranked 17. I'm not playing. Indiana's ranked 17. We is acceptable in these terms as you went to the school, so you have the affiliation. So we is there. Um, I always feel weird with that. I'm not. You know, I'm not. I'm not suiting up anymore. I'm. I'm. I'm drinking beer every day. Like you know. Um, I think that's different. It, your quarterback is still out for the year, isn't he? No, Penix is back. He's back. Oh. Shout out. Okay, well, good luck to you guys. You know, I, I hope that you do Vegas proud. I want to know who's in that back room in Vegas that makes all these lines and has all the connections into the weather, into every single team. I don't know what ML machine that they're running. or I don't. That's redundant in saying ML machine. Machine learning machine. I'll put it that way. Whatever that is out there calculating, breaking down what robot. I don't know, but they are usually spot on except for the UConn game. That was a great segue to talk machine learning and AWS here. So one thing that I love on the new broadcast is the the AWS or Amazon next-gen stats. Mm-hmm. And it's really cool to see their data, their algorithms kind of working. Um, there's three that we I want to highlight here, which are – uh, the expected rushing yards, expected at yards after catch, and route classification, which I think are just incredible data tags that they're able to do. So expected rushing yards is designed to show how many rushing yards a ball carrier is expected to gain on a given carry based on the relative location, speed, and direction of blockers and defenders. Um, expected yards after catch is the new predictive model uses Amazon, Amazon SageMaker, uh, to output the, the expected yards after catch based on numerous factors using tracking data, such as how open the receiver is, how fast they're traveling, and how many defenders blockers are in the space. Uh, and like I said, the last one, route classification, is the next generation stat helping fans contextualize the passing game in new ways, uh, indicating what type of route the player executes, go posts are out, and assigns an aggregate score of how teams play so fans can study league-wide trends. Um, I think it's awesome data. It's really cool. Uh, definitely check out the AWS Next Gen Stats, um, uh, like their their page. Uh, but it's really cool what you're able to kind of 
dive into if you're one of those people who are like, remember when we were wondering why is Trent Richardson struggling, right? You saw him at, at, at Alabama. He's this beast. He was low to the ground. He had the jump cut. It felt like he had the whole package. He got to the NFL at the time, right? The next-gen stats weren't there, but if they were, right, they would have been able to tell you why he wasn't hitting the hole correctly, why he was missing X, Y, or Z, right? And I think it's really cool to be able to dive into that. And you'll see this more on the broadcast. Uh, ESPN's kind of done some stuff too where, you know, a few on the Monday night games have kind of had some alternative um, uh, cast as well, mm-hmm. showing the power of what AWS and their machine learning can do. Yeah, I, I really like where everything is going. Um, and basically what this machine learning is for the layman, uh, whenever you see those commercials of, you know, data at the edge, this is what the edge is. And it's collecting all of this data from the sensor points that they have from the players and, and however else they have it scripted within uh, each stadium. And then obviously it's churned out very quickly as that data is collected and then synthesized uh, so that uh, process so that it can be synthesized by the fans, teams and players. And so uh, I think it's cool. It's one thing though, because like you said, when you see it on ESPN and how they put out all of this data just for that common fan to be able to ingest it the right way. So I think it's cool. I think it really bodes well for teams to like, like your Trent Richardson uh, example. I think it really looks and helps them figure out like, all right, maybe, maybe we should have let him go a lot earlier or Hey, <laughs> we can do this to improve. Like this is where you need to focus. And then that goes into another sports technology aspect that they can then train because it looked like it was his awareness. He wasn't trusting his eyes to his feet. So uh, I it, it's it adds a lot, and I think it's really the biggest thing when it what comes is to that what is, when you say that as a football player to the lay person to someone that's like in tech, when you say he doesn't trust his eyes to his feet, what does that mean? He sees it and then doesn't let his feet take the work over and then overthinks it and goes in another direction. So in that split second of saying like you you before a play happens, you anticipate where things are supposed to go by how the line moves and how your play is supposed to develop. And then you look at the opposing team and where you think that they're going to flow. So you automatically make an assumption of where the hole is supposed to hit. Once the initial hole opens up, he's not trusting his natural eye instinct, which then leads to his feet, not going in the direction that he should go. Thus he overthinks and then moves in the wrong direction, which was a lot of the times. And so the biggest thing that I can think of is the cutback that was, I think you could drive a Mack truck through, which was on a a play where he runs into the left where everybody was at. And on the right side, there was literally one person and he would have walked into the end zone on the one yard line. And that's a moment there where he sees it and then just doesn't do it. Um, And that's, that's just it. You see it, but you don't do it and you keep going in the other direction. Right. Uh, Quickly to to follow what you said there. So to give everybody, kind of a breakdown of how Amazon does this. So the data is captured placing um, RFID tags on player shoulder pads and in the game ball. Uh, So they are able to track the ball movement down to the inch, and then they're able to uh, collect all the player data through uh, Amazon EC2, S3, and EMR in the capture and storage process. 
Next, the real-time data is combined with the traditional box score and play-by-play data, which calculates hundreds of metrics and then kind of spits it back out to you, as Taylor just said. So it's super cool. I mean, honestly, like what Amazon's kind of done with this next-gen stats and everything that that is there to Taylor's point of like being able to, to really see, you know, why Eddie Lacy or another Alabama running back, right, um, wasn't able to really kind of compute, right, in the NFL uh, is a great example. So I can tell you why that one happened. They calculated they had too many Chinese restaurants in the area. I mean, that's all there is up there. That man, that man threw on like 40 pounds from Chinese food. Ain't to make a laugh about it, but he even knows that he, he was he hit every spot. You saw Yelp reviews about Chinese restaurants. Eddie's Lacey's name was under them at the forefront on every single restaurant. That's why that man was out of Green Bay. Too much, too much junk food. Agreed. Um, something I saw that was super interesting is they had a most improbable completions list. Mm-hmm. And guess who topped the list? Hit me with it. Our guy, Mr. Elite, Joe Flacco. Oh, okay. All right. The only other quarterbacks that made the list twice on there were Kyler Murray and Aaron Rodgers. And for my Atlanta friends and family, Matt Ryan was not on the list. Can you explain most improbable completions for those that might not understand that? Yes, I believe. Most improbable completions, sorry. Yeah, so – Essentially, they take into account uh, air distance, air yards, receiver separation, and leverages other previously unrecorded metrics, such as receiver distance from sideline and more. So improbable completions looks at passes with the lowest completion probability each week with a minimum of 10 plus air yards in all scoring plays. And in 2020, Joe Flacco led it. And I'm actually kind of surprised that I think feel like Russell Wilson usually has that, and he has a kind of a nice hookup with. Uh, he was on. He was second, right? His so to your point, Joe Flacco's was a 6.2 completion probability percentage in Week Nine to Jameson Crowder. Russell Wilson, not not the biggest fan, but uh, six point. Got to hate on Russell. He's a wholesome man. Why you got to hate on? Why you got to hate on Russ? Dangerous. You don't have to be. Well, well you got to be silent. It's da- dangerous. Hey, no, it's actually, it's Mr. Unlimited. Don't ever say that out loud. Jesus Mr. 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 Unlimited. Anyways, uh, 6.3 <laughs> completion probability percentage for Russell Wilson and when he was able to hook up with David Moore in week two. Uh, it's crazy. The, the Remember the DeAndre Hopkins catch from last year, that crazy one in the corner from Kyler Murray? Mm-hmm. That one actually had a 10.6 completion probability, and that ranked third on the list from week five. Mm-hmm. Uh, so really cool. It's really cool. Uh, again, go to nextgenstats.nfl.com. Dive into this. It's amazing what uh, AWS has put together here. Uh, and really cool if you just kind of into, like, data insights and, like, you know, probability of how things are going. Uh, let me ask you. I mean, it's it's – what are you excited for in the season here? We'll round out the podcast this way, talking about football here. Uh, what are you most excited about? And let me ask you about realignment. What are your thoughts there as well? So I guess the first thing I'm, I'm most excited about is seeing if, because uh, I really don't care about how college football goes, except for as, long, as long as UConn does all right. Uh, I really want to see if a lot of these kids can handle the pressure now and of having financial backers behind them 
Because now it's not just a you're game. Talking, you're talking the ability to maximize their brand and likeness. With off of NIL, NIL, correct. So a lot of contracts might be lost within the first two weeks because you're not out here doing what you're supposed to be doing, making the plays. Yes, you might be playing, but you don't have that influence that was anticipated. So I wonder what the fine print was in a lot of these writings and if companies gave themselves outs, gave themselves outs. Uh, to a lot of these contracts, but I, I hope that the kids can perform. And I'm just kind of curious to see, like, you know, obviously the Alabama quarterback, he signed a seven figure contract with a couple of, with a couple of uh, people, a couple of companies. Um, Derek King from Miami did the same thing quarterback there. So it's at this point, it, it shows you what the pressure um, you might see people comment about this as the season goes on or, or after the season but when an NFL player or sorry, or just professional player at that signs a hundred million dollar contract, the pressure that comes with that because you have to produce. And um, that's what a lot of these companies are looking for. And I'm just curious to see how a lot of these top athletes that did sign these NILs um, will do. So I think the ones that sign more of the smaller deals, obviously, like, hey, we'll give you some sweatshirts like that's that's no big deal. Could be mentally if you're not right for the, you know, if it, if it affects you that way. But it's probably the biggest thing I'm looking forward to. And um, is there anything else that I might have that uh, excites me for college football or in football? No, that's about that's about it. NFL's NFL. Not and, not Jameis, not Jameis getting the starting nod. No, well, no, 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 not not really. I mean, it, it excites me. If I think I'm just gonna call him Lasik Jameis. I think if he comes out here and balls. He better sign a nice, healthy eight-figure contract with with uh, LASIK out here because if that was really it and he couldn't see it, now he can. That's amazing. So, uh, but I was staying more on the college football front, and then because the, the, the follow-up was the ACC, the Pac-12, the Big Ten all yep. came together as I, I don't know if they're going to end up calling themselves the Alliance, but that's the word that's been sticking, obviously, because that's the 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 word to use when you have all of these um uh major conferences coming together so the alliance that has formed between the acc pac 12 and big 10 um i mean college college sports in the traditional sense is dead and i'm not trying to come from the old homer uh aspect of this it's just the geographic rivalries that you might have are gone hopefully new ones spark up but this also puts pressure on schools that are in the independent or schools that are in the group of five, so to speak, because, you know, what are you going to do now? Because the biggest thing that you see is SEC with them bringing in Texas and Oklahoma and the expansion that they're looking to have and make. And then what uh, the Alliance just did, you're not going to schedule those quote unquote fluff games or those out of conference games now. So there could be a true split amongst college football of saying like, hey, this is D1 and then here's D1, D1, like uh, ultra D1 um, as they only play themselves because there's no need for them to go out of their market to play because that's going to lessen their chances to play in the college football playoff as it currently stands. So I don't think it's good for sports as a whole Mm -hmm. Um, as money has now completely taken over which, I mean, it started off when ever ESPN made that first contract with, uh, gosh, that was back in the day when SMU was actually still good. 
So that that time frame, that's when it all died. And then this is when you can officially can put the nail in the coffin. So what do you think about it? And what's your most, you know, the the thing that you're looking forward to the most for sports or for football? I mean, I'm most looking forward to Indiana being ranked, being ranked for the first time in 50 years preseason. It's God, amazing. Be excited. It's exciting. Um, it is exciting. It's really cool. I'm I'm just incredibly happy for Coach Allen and his staff and all the players and all the hard work. And I I hope uh, you know just excited for the season. I'm excited to see what happens there in Bloomington. And um, yeah, I mean to the to the alignment or realignment. To your point, I think the money is so big, and now like you we're not hiding from the money, which I think is the biggest thing right now. It's in in front of everybody, and it's there's no BS around that, which I think is the better thing. Right from NIL to all this stuff, right? All of it used to be going to the table, anyways. So now it's just like in front of everybody. And I think what's tough to your point, the SEC essentially tried to like make this their themselves like a superpower or like the NFL light, essentially, right? And then you know, I think with the ACC, Big Ten, and Pac-12, we're like, okay, well, from a TV and rights perspective, we now can do to your point, we can now control the whole country right like from east to west Mm -hmm. what does that look like from a monetary perspective how many how many rights deals can we get now they're going to expand on that you know the big 10 has fox pac-12 has fox they've also got um the there's another thing the pac-12 has as well um and then obviously the acc has espn so how do they expand on those how do they how do they also bring in some of the streamers as well like peacock things like that so yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting from that perspective. To your point, I do feel bad. I feel bad for like places like a Tulane or Hawaii. Like the first the first weekend, right, has like UTEP and uh, New Mexico State, right? Like it, you already kind of feel bad for those schools, right, from just a, a, an eyeballs and all this type of stuff. But now it's going to get even worse for those type of schools, and it's going to get worse in recruiting things like that. Um, yeah, just it just kind of stinks. I also think on one side it'll be nice, big time teams aren't going to just play the run of the mill, you know, they're not going to play D one double a schools anymore, which is nice Mm -hmm. because of the new Alliance. So like every week it feels like you're going to get a good game. Unless Mm -hmm. you're playing Vanderbilt or something. Mm -hmm. Look, look at you. Y'all get ranked one time in 50 years and y'all, you don't, don't even know how to act now as a fan. Mm-hmm. What do you mean? Indiana used to be that. Indiana used to be that schedule game. Now, now you you up in the big leagues and you like, Oh, we good. Okay. We were never a scheduled game. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Keep going though. Sorry. I'm so I'm sorry. No, but I mean it's it's it is one of those things where you, you start to feel you feel for I, I think to your point, it takes away rivalries, it just changes the whole landscape of what college athletics is, what college sports is. Again, I've always been on the side of like this is all about money, right? Mm-hmm. Let's not like let's not fool ourselves or like act like this this isn't going on. But now with it in this way or in this regard it's just really difficult. I think to see what the landscape will be like in the next five or 10 years. Um, obviously we'll adapt. I mean, that's what, you know, we, you have to evolve with the times, but it, it will stink when rivalries kind of shift and, you know, Texas and Oklahoma leaving the big 12 doesn't make sense. Right. But not at all. I'm with you. So, so we'll see, we'll see how it all kind of shapes out. I am happy. I think it seems, well, what doesn't make sense, right? Taylor uh, if you're listening on the podcast, Taylor is flashing. We, talk, money. we, we just talking money, so I'm, I'm I was I was hot, so I'm, I, the only thing that could cool me off. Sorry. The, the tough thing is it's it's two dollar bills, like crunchy bills. It's probably been in his pocket for weeks. Hey, don't matter. It means I can hit that dollar menu and eat like a king. That sounds nasty. So yeah, man, it'll be interesting. But um, we uh, yeah, so we'll round out 
rounded out that way. This was uh, this was cool. It was cool to kind of jump into um, sports in a different way, and, and obviously just kind of talking technology and, and then football. Uh, we'll have another pod, kind of our normal version, talking um, talking a couple platforms, and obviously uh, hitting some funding rounds as well. So we'll we'll get you with some more content since we're off for a couple weeks here. But we appreciate it. Continue to rate, subscribe, definitely follow us on Instagram. I'm at Steamac Taylor Taylor Mac twenty nine. Also, there's Sports Tech Atlanta underscore Media. Uh, you can find all podcast clips, uh, different content there within sports and technology. So, again, we appreciate it uh, for listening. We'll see you in the next edition of Sports Tech Atlanta.